She Did It Her Way podcast, episode 252, Overcoming Resistance When It Is Time to Leap with Daniel Robay. Hello and welcome to She Did It Her Way, a podcast dedicated to helping you launch a business that allows you the freedom to create from anywhere, design your own schedule in a way that supports you, and pursue what it is that lights you up. I'm Amanda Bolin, your host, and it is time to do it your way. Welcome to the show, you guys. Today's podcast is sponsored by one of my favorite bookkeeping systems, and that is FreshBooks. FreshBooks is the perfect accounting software for small businesses, especially when you are first starting out. And maybe accounting isn't your thing because it certainly wasn't my thing. And FreshBooks user interface is ridiculously easy to use from tracking your expenses, creating and submitting invoices for your clients, and also collecting payments and getting paid faster. One of my favorite features about FreshBooks, and okay, maybe a few, is their time tracking feature. Whether you are tracking your time or your team is tracking their time, makes it super easy to use and easy to see how much time your team is using or it is taking them to complete a project. There's also a mobile app that allows you to screenshot your receipts, so no more having to have a box full of receipts. And also, did I mention their customer support team is ridiculously amazing, extremely helpful, and easy to access. I never have to fear that when I send them a request or an email that it has fallen into a black hole. They're always friendly and their response time is very, very prompt. So FreshBooks is giving you a 30-day free trial and test it out to see if you love it as much as I do by heading to www.freshbooks.com forward slash she, S-H-E. Now on to today's episode, I am hanging out with Daniel Robay, who was previously a host and producer on CBS Entertainment Tonight Online. She has hosted live TV shows, red carpet events, and interviewed some of the biggest names in Hollywood, from Bradley Cooper to Taylor Swift, and she was recently named in May of 2017 a co-host for Chicago's newest morning show, WCIU's The Jam, as the youngest morning TV host in in Chicago. She brings her trademark blend of energy, wit, and candid cultural commentary to the city. In today's episode, Danielle shows how she used her tenacity to not only follow her dreams, but to make them happen. We talk about identify moments of fear and how to overcome them, hear the benefits of meeting people in person versus email, understand the resistance met when it's your decision to make the leap, learn about nervous energy and ways to combat it, know the importance of enjoying the day-to-day, and discover how to feel comfortable putting yourself out there. And let's go to the show. Okay, we are ready to go, you guys. I'm hanging out with Danielle Robay, who is a TV host and journalist. She's one of the youngest TV hosts known to, I mean, I think ever. Is that correct? No, not ever. Just in Chicago. (laughs) But just in Chicago, that's still amazing. Like, um, I'm so excited for you to share your story. And I've, again, did did some research about some of the other interviews that you've had. And so I have some questions to follow up to those answers. And you're all about overcoming fear and stepping on the other side. So I would love for you to share a little bit more about yourself and what it is that you're doing. And then kind of talk us through how you got there. Because one word that came up for me when I was looking at all your stuff was just the word tenacity. And you have continually pushed the boundaries and just have gone after what it is that you you have wanted and you achieve what you go after. So I would love for you to share that. 
You're so kind, Amanda. Thank you, first of all. And second of all, um, I definitely, I don't even achieve everything I go after, but I just like, I really always feel like you got to go for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just like there, you don't lose by going for it. You know what I mean? Like you either learn in the process or meet cool people that circle back at another time. Like you always win by just going for it. And so, um, I've never, I've never really let fear stop me from making a fool of myself, I guess is the best way to put it. <laughs> yeah. And I want to, I'm going to dive into some of those things. I want to know more about some of the, what you've done in terms of that, but take us back to, so where are you now in your journey? And then let's talk about the steps that you did to take, to get you there and actually dive into those moments of fear and how you overcame them. Okay, cool. Um, where should I start? Yeah, well, let's do, how did you get into TV hosting and journalism? Yeah, so um, I went to school in Madison, Wisconsin, and I did some local news there. And I loved what I was doing, but I just realized that local news was not for me. And so I was like, I want to stay in this industry. I just don't want to be in local news. And um, I felt like digital was on the rise. And Um, my dad helped me book a one-way ticket to LA. He was like, I was like, what do you mean? Like, shouldn't we like go visit or like do a round trip? And he was like, "Uh uh-uh, if you're going, you're going. So, um, I booked a one-way ticket and I lived in my grandparents' friend's garage in Santa Monica and I just started hustling. And so, um, I called this guy who worked for a, um, like a, he was like a red carpet outlet. And I was like, can I please, please do a red carpet with you? Um, I sent him like my reel from college and all that stuff. And he was like, how dare you call me after work hours? This is so unprofessional. Mind you, it was like 630. It was not after work hours, but I didn't know that. (laughs) And so I was like, I'm so sorry. I just, I'm really interested and eager. And so he emailed me and was like, you're annoying, but you have the job. Meet me at the Paley Center um, you know, at six o'clock on whatever day and we'll see how it goes. And so I did my first red carpet Oh my gosh, wait, can we pause for a moment? Yeah. Okay. How did you, well, first of all, just through the, when he kind of sprung that emotional, like, what are you doing calling me after hours? <laughs> and then also saying you're annoying, but you can come with me. I mean, talk to us about the emotions and how did you separate that and not let that, or maybe you did and you just showed up and worked through it. But like, what did you take us back to that moment when you're doing something so courageous and I mean I would imagine what early 20s too like that's got to be intimidating like take us back to that moment um you're such a good interviewer that's a great question (laughs) um so I guess um what's weird is that I feel more fear now than I ever did earlier Uh in my career because I feel like now I have something to lose where and so I have to like constantly remind myself to like have that same mentality that I did when I was right out of college Mm. and like now I have um you know some credentials and uh, a little bit of a following and like I feel like I I can embarrass myself more so to speak whereas like when I was right out of college I was just like you know excuse my language but like balls to the wall just like going for it up I love though that you, I mean, you said that you feel more fear now because it's almost as if you have more to lose. And that's so relatable too, just in, in building any business. And when you have more eyeballs on you, it's like more pressure versus when you're younger, it's this, it doesn't matter what it looks like. I can go do whatever and I'm figuring it out. 
Exactly. And when you're younger, it's almost like I feel like people look at it like it's admirable, like, oh, she, he or she is putting themselves out there. Whereas now it's like, does it look desperate? Mm-hmm. You know, um, but I don't I don't think about it like that, because then I think in if it's the reverse, like if people email me, I don't care what age they are. If they're emailing me with a good idea or something that adds value, then it's like I think the very best of them. So I just like try and remind myself of that, you know? Mm-hmm. So then, okay, so you go on the red carpet or he, this this guy is like, okay, whatever, fine, come with me. Take yeah. us back, pick us up from there. So I do the red carpet and afterwards I'm like, can I just take you, like, can I take you for a thank you drink or a thank you, like, you know, small dinner or whatever? And he was like, sure. And we didn't know each other. And so we're like, I think we went to like Cheesecake Factory in Beverly Hills or something because that's where the event was before. And so, um, I was just talking to him and getting to know him and was like, can you make me your only host for like two months? And he was like, no, I have other hosts. And I was like, but I really need to build out my reel. And like, I I don't know any other way, like just use me, use me, use me as much as possible. And I was working for free obviously. And so he was like, okay, I'll try. And so I was doing like two red carpets a day. Um, oh my cause it gosh. was like during award season, which was lucky. I didn't know that at the time. Like, I didn't even know what award season was, but, um, it was like in September. And so I was doing like two red carpets a day and I finally built a reel and I found an editor that would like help me cheaply. And I sat down and I put my reel together and, um, I sent it out. No one responded. And then I sent it out again and like followed up, no one responded. And so the like two or three places that I really felt like were potentially attainable, I, I sent them cookies. And I just sent them a note that said like, hey, I'd love to meet you in person, even if it's just five minutes. Mm-hmm. And um, they, they responded and they like, e- not all of them, but I think like two of the three emailed me back and were like, um, thank you so much, you know, we're not hiring but at least I had their email now. And so then I responded and I was like, I know you're not hiring, but like, I'd love to just meet you in person. Truly, like, just give me five minutes. And so I would meet them. And then once you meet someone in person, it's a different ballgame, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, can you explain to just give us a little bit of insight on how the industry when it comes to someone such as yourself doing the TV hosting or you're flying out and you're going to do red carpet interviews? Is it like an independent contract business or how does it work with are you working under someone or what does that look like? Yeah. So, um, you're definitely not doing it for the money. Um, (laughs) A lot of them are honestly free. If not, like I think the first one I did, I got paid $25 or something, which like probably barely covered my gas. Um, but you are working for like an outlet, so to speak for the most part. So like, say, um, like, I don't know, I'm going to make up an outlet. Say it's like, makers tv mm-hmm. then makers tv will hire you and you'll have like a head of production who will probably like you know send you some questions that they really want you to um get out and then the rest is kind of up to you and so um you just like go you meet the camera guy there sometimes it's never been a camera woman but it should be <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so you meet the camera guy and hopefully soon camera girl there and then um you just do your thing and they take the footage back to the studio so you a lot of times never even meet the people you're working with really yeah which is which is definitely not good like i i always went out of my way to like on my off time go there and meet the people 
Wow. Okay. That it definitely helps to understand a little bit better that like how it how it works. So yeah. uh, after you met those people, sent them cookies, then what? Um, so they emailed me like a few weeks later, randomly, like at 2 p.m. or something, and were like, We are my um my red carpet reporter canceled at the last minute. Can you do this event? And I was on the other side of town. I had no hair or makeup done. It was like in three hours and I hadn't, you know, I was like so scared, but I was like, yes, of course. So um, I ran home, I got myself together and then I showed up at the event and it was, what was it for? I think it was X Factor and I interviewed Simon Cowell and he gave me an exclusive, Ooh. which was Ooh, like, it's girl. huge, which it's so funny because like exclusives are really hard to get in entertainment because like usually those types of things are almost like sold. Like people magazine will like buy baby news or you know what I mean? Or like mm -hmm. not even bought, but like sometimes people just give it to those big outlets. And so, um, it, I haven't had a ton since then, but that moment was like a really big turning point because I think because I got that exclusive, they kept hiring me. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's crazy. So I'm indebted to Simon Cowell forever. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. And then talk to us your so through from that point up until now you're at WCIU, what yeah. did what did your path and journey look like? And how did you did you always know that you wanted to do journalism and TV hosting? Yeah, ever since college I really knew. I was a political science and radio TV film double major and um I did a lot of internships and that is like one of the huge things that I always tell everybody who asks me like, what should I do? And it's like intern, 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 because not only do you learn so much, but like those contacts are invaluable. Mm -hmm. And, um, I really, I, once I interned, I knew like, you know, I interned for a show in Chicago, a morning show. And I would sit there and watch the host every day and be like, I can do that. I know I can do that. And like, you know, you think you can. And at that point, like I definitely could not have, but I thought I could. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so yeah, I just, I worked, my first full-time gig was at Clever TV, and then I worked at NBC as the interim station host, and then I did a bunch of stuff with HLN, and specifically Dr. Drew's show there, and then Entertainment Tonight Online, and then I moved for this morning show, which has been such an awesome experience. How is the um, morning show that you're doing right now, how is it different than previous um, gigs or projects that you've you've done in the past, and what is it about this one that felt like a good, really good fit for you? Um, well, first of all, I was in LA and this is in my hometown of Chicago. And so, um, I think in TV or like production, any sort of like aspect of this industry, it's really rare to get to work in your hometown and, um, tell those people's stories. And so I felt like, I know this sounds trite, but I really felt like the community I grew up in gave me so much. Like they, it really shaped me. The people were incredible. And so to be able to like work in my hometown and be on TV and have, have the opportunity to tell those people's stories and highlight their businesses and, and like show off their talents is the most gratifying thing. And so when this opportunity came up, I was like, I, how can I, how can I pass this up? You know? Mm -hmm. And then, so how long have you been back in Chicago at this point? Um, almost a year. I moved at the end of May. So almost a year. Wow. I forgot how bad the winter was, but it's definitely, yeah. 
It's a great city with great people. It's just the weather kind of sucks. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's been a little gloomy lately. Not to say that the weather should be any sort of conditional indication of how we should feel. Right. It's exactly. definitely you get to a point you're like, okay, is the sunshine? Is it going to like it'll come out and then it hides hides again away um, from that. Well, <laughs> when was it like when were you the most nervous? throughout your career or when do you get nervous? Oh man, that's a really good one. I get nervous all I get nervous like all the time. Um I was probably the most nervous when I started working at Entertainment Tonight online. Um it was a really big leap for me. It was like definitely out of my comfort zone. I didn't know anyone and I think that that was like the first point that I really felt like I had something to lose because I had like built up at least some experience. Um, and I felt like I was on this like path that, um, like I didn't want to make the wrong move. And so I was really hoping that this was like the right job to take. And did I take it too early and was it the right place? And, um, I knew I had to perform at a really high level. And so, um, it was definitely scary and it was scary leaving there as well. Oh, okay. Talk to us about that. Cause I think there's a lot of we think a lot of times the scary part is, you know, stepping out there, starting something when actually leaving and making the choice to leave, even thinking about leaving your job. If a lot of the listeners have been oh, in the yeah. situation where, you know, either they're getting let go, which is nice because someone else makes a decision for you. But when you have to consciously make the decision to leave, I feel like you meet more resistance. So I'd love for you to share your story on that. That's a great point. And actually, as I was going through that experience, I, um, I was really looking for other people's stories to listen to and I couldn't really find any. I think that it's almost a little taboo to talk about. Mm. Um, and I find myself like just recently being able to talk more candidly about that kind of a th- like those feelings and that experience because um, I didn't know if it was the right thing to do to leave. And I almost felt like I, I kind of felt like I was maybe letting myself down like you know this job was such a like a marker for me like something I'd always dreamed of that um, like how could I even consider leaving it but at that time it really wasn't the right place for me and when I look back on it it was so so obviously Mm. not not where I was like I think it was right for that time and the people there are freaking awesome. So like I really value the experience. Um, but I think that like I, I definitely it shouldn't have been such a hard decision and it was in the moment. What do you think made it a hard decision in the moment? Um, you know, when you when you want something so badly, the, the concept of letting it go seems unfathomable. And, um, I just, it was hard for me to reconcile like wanting a dream or a goal so badly. And then also having to admit that it wasn't the right place for me Mm. or like it wasn't feeding me what I, like it wasn't, you know, Mm -hmm. it wasn't doing what I needed at that time. Um, but it felt like I, like, was I giving up? Was I, was I, should I just push through or, you know what it is? Like Mm -hmm. all the, all those like doubtful moments go through your head. And 
I don't really think there's a right answer. Like, I think it would have been fine if I stayed and I think it would have been fine if I left. It just would have been a different path. Mm -hmm. I definitely totally agree with the, the doubt or even, I mean, I think that reminds me of the time when I left Target from the corporate standpoint and then went into a different position. But I think oftentimes we are scared of what the decision might do or, you know, did I stick around long enough and learn what I needed to learn? And it's all this fear that holds us back or like, what will people think of me? And what if I make the wrong decision or how do I know? What if I never get another cool opportunity? Like, what if this is the end of my career? Yes. I actually just did. I always had, um, I, there's some contract work that I've always showed up and have said yes to. And just recently, I turned it down and it was like, really, it was one of the biggest, I mean, cause it's one of the, like when you're good at something and it's easy, doesn't always necessarily look the thing that I learned is like, doesn't always necessarily mean that you should do it just because it's easy and you're good at it. You have to do something that fulfills you. And it just came to like, I found myself in a position of when I would be doing some of the the work, wanting to be back home and be like just, I mean, I guess this will be a whole nother podcast episode, but um, yeah, it, it just, and then showing and finally, like it was almost because before I just would always say yes. And then this time it was the finally, like, I'm like, okay, this isn't working. Like I'm saying no. And yeah. it's scary in that moment. And then when you get there, you're like, why does it, why did it take so long to, Right. <laughs> and you're like, if I just got out of my own way and really saw the clarity, because I think we make these stories in our minds and make this whole entire dramatic, again, not saying that you were dramatic, but in our minds, it can easily sound no, like, it, oh my it, gosh. Yeah. yeah. And then we get into this rut of like, oh, the decision's so hard when really like now what you're saying is afterwards, it's like, oh, actually wasn't that hard. But in the moment, sometimes it's like gaining perspective to not see it as as difficult as it is. And I think um, those types of experiences taught me that like it's all fine no matter what. And even if you do make the wrong decision, like it's okay. Like even if if the decision to not take that work or to leave the job I did was the wrong decision, like you'll figure it out because, you know, if you're that type of person, you'll figure it out. Mm -hmm. What about – talk to us then a time in your career that you – maybe made the, again, not the wrong choice or decision, but like maybe a time when you messed up and you had to own it and step up and be a leader. And, um, what did you learn about that moment and what did it look like? That's a really good question. Um, I want to be thoughtful. Give me a second. (laughs) So the first place that ever paid me uh, for a red carpet. So the same people that, um, I was working for when I got that Simon Cowell exclusive, they would email me questions before an event that they really wanted me to ask. And, um, there wasn't a lot of direction other than that. And the questions a lot of times were like, if you want to use these, use them. If you don't, what, like whatever. And I went to a movie junket And I didn't like the questions they sent me. Like some of them were borderline rude. One of them, I remember feeling like I'm not asking a woman this question. Mm. And so I didn't ask them. I asked my own questions. And um, I got an email afterwards 
saying like what happened and how how did this happen how dare you and they never hired me again and I understood why I had to own it and I had to like think about what my responsibility was as a reporter like I was hired by them to ask you know some of the questions that they wanted me to and at the same time my face is on camera I'm the one in the room I'm the one whose reputation gets potentially ruined if I ask something rude. Mm. And, you know, like the, the community is very small, especially at movie junkets. So like if if people don't like you, like it's very easy to be like, oh, no, we're not letting her come. Um, so I was also worried about that. And I had to like I asked some of the people that, you know, had been doing it for longer than I had and been like, what do you do in that situation? And I I think I made the wrong call. And I remember um do you remember Caduce from MTV? Mm, so there no. was this DJ on MTV, Caduce, and um, I met him when I was in LA. And it was crazy because I watched him growing up and I thought he was so cool. And then I met him and we became friends. And I called him and I was like, what did, did I screw up? Like, what what's the line here? And he was like, you know, there's always a way to ask something. And so, yes, was their question rude and out of line? Yes. Should you have asked it? No. But like, you can't just, they're hiring you. You can't just ignore it. Like, just rephrase things. And then they can't get mad and you don't get thrown under the bus. And I was like, oh, like that would have been the better route. And I really, that was a huge lesson for me. Mm-hmm. What is like, when you go into interviews and you get ready to do the show because the thing is is it's live it like can't be edited do you have a sort of a routine or a process that gets you into that state um so I do my hair and makeup and I listen to music sometimes it's like pop music sometimes it's meditation music depending on my mood that day and then I take a few minutes and it's usually rushed in the morning so I have to like really do it quickly but I just close my eyes and I think about what I want to put forth for the day. So I'm going to enter the day with gratitude and I'm going to be really thoughtful and I'm going to try and not let my heart rate spike and be chill and not take things for granted. And then I envision the first few moments of the show. So whatever topic we're talking about that day, I sort of play out in my head, like what I'm going to say, what my co-hosts are going to say. And sometimes it plays out that way. Sometimes it doesn't, but at the very least, I always feel prepared. Um, And then the only other thing I do before the show starts is I look, this sounds like really silly, but I look in the mirror every day before the show and I say, what would, what would 18 year old Danielle say right now? And, Mm. um, and then I like really feel full of gratitude and I walk into the studio and like prepare and get mic'd up and stuff. Because I think when you're like, so a morning show is like 24 seven, you're so rushed all the time and you can really lose like there's a lot of frustrating moments and you can really lose that gratitude. And so for some reason, that question really helps me. How did you come up with that question? Um, that's a good, you're so good, Amanda. Damn. Um, I was, my boyfriend lives in LA and I was visiting him in September for his birthday. And I basically, I flew out there for less than 24 hours to be there for his birthday party And I was going to fly back the next day and I had to work. Like I had to get off the plane, do my makeup and go back to work for the next 48 hours and then go into the week. And I was like, 
it was, I knew it was going to be brutal. And that night of his birthday party, the house we were at overlooked, um, the Hollywood Hills and it was such a pretty view and everyone was gone. And he was like upstairs, like, I don't know, doing something with one of his friends. And I was just like alone looking over the Hollywood Hills and the, like the air was beautiful. And I just thought to myself, like, I am so freaking exhausted right now. Like, I can't even believe I have to get on a plane in a few hours. But at the same time, like, I remember being in my college room and applying for jobs and having no one respond to me and truly will, like being thinking like I would just do anything to be that exhausted. Like, I don't care how exhausted I am. I would do anything to just get into the room. And I wrote an Instagram post about it. I took like a photo to remember that feeling. And since that moment, every day, like before the show, I look in the mirror and and ask myself that question because like, I really, I would have done anything. And I think you lose that when you're in the day to day. Mm Hmm. Yeah, that's such a good reminder to think about. I mean, and it's motivation too to stay focused in what we have that's exactly. in front of us. And sometimes we're like, oh my gosh, what is going on? And then we're like, oh wait, yes, we asked for this moment. That's right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. we, we forgot we asked for it. That's a great way of putting it. Yeah. What, I mean, walk us through then what is a typical day? Like what's your schedule look like? And then I also want to ask from the business side too. So you have your, your host on WCIU. What is the other part of your life look like? And are you, does it allow you then to go do, um, other events and host and like how, what does that whole process look like? Yeah. So my, um, my day is like definitely a strange schedule because of uh, morning shows timing. So I wake up at like three fifteen. Usually I hit snooze for five minutes and then, um, you know, like sleepwalk, grab my coffee out of my fridge because I, I make it the night before, which is so embarrassing, but like, I'm not functional in the morning and, um, barely put like sweatpants and a sweatshirt on, roll out the door, get to work. Um, I like to show up like unless something happens with my Uber, I like to show up like 15 minutes early and just kind of like read through the show and settle in. And then, um, everybody gets there. We go through our morning meeting. We pick like everything we're going to talk about. I do my hair and makeup. The show starts at six and then it's over at eight. We do like our post meeting. And then I, I love to like produce and write and book people. And, um, like that's where I actually find a lot of joy And that's like almost the most gratifying, one of the most gratifying parts for me. And so I stay usually until like 11 or 12, produce and write, and then go home. Um, Sometimes I have meetings and come to Soho House. Sometimes I just go home and try and get a workout in. Usually I watch The View and eat lunch. That's like my one moment of the day. (laughs) And then, (laughs) which my mom makes fun of me for. She thinks it's a horrible show. I think it's like the best show on TV. Uh, and then I get back to work. So like I start doing more stuff for the show, trying to book people or I'm doing stuff for like my own brand, which is like trying to reach out to people, set meetings, um, like work on Instagram stuff or set up shoots, um, like all the outside stuff. And that takes up probably the most time. And so, um, by seven 30, I'm, I work until then. And then I like, like, I don't know, scarf down something for dinner and then go to bed. 
I was just going to ask what time your bedtime was, especially with the 3.15 a.m. wake up call. Yeah, ideally it's eight. Lately it's been nine, which is not good and not enough sleep. So, <laughs> Do you, yeah. um, when, I can't remember, I think I asked you this, but like what makes you so, ner- what makes you the most nervous? Oh. But you said yeah, you're always nervous. So like is there anything yeah, specific though that like, I mean, yeah, yeah. How, how does that, what does that even feel or look like? So it's weird because I don't get nervous on camera anymore. I used to. Um, that has subsided, but, and that's what live TV will do. That's why this job is so great. Like if you do anything live repeatedly, that's like when all the butterflies go away. But, um, I get nervous for important phone calls. I get nervous for important meetings. I get nervous with confrontation. That's probably my biggest thing. Like, like knowing that I'm going to have to have difficult conversations with my boss or a producer, um, that really gets me worked up. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I have a couple last questions for you. Yeah. Please. Um, what is it that you're currently working on in like the personal development arena? What's something that you're trying to improve upon yourself? Um, the surface answer to that is drink more water. <laughs> <laughs> um, right there the- with you. The deeper answer was actually last year I was really trying to work on, um, confrontation and conflict because I, I hated it so much that I avoided it. And I think I let situations and people almost make decisions for me because I avoided it so much and that's never good. Um, and I like, I think I finally have mastered it, but it took a lot of practice, like repeated practice. Um, and right now I'm trying to I'm trying to be more relaxed, which I know sounds weird. <laughs> no, no, not not at all. Not you, at all, girlfriend. <laughs> you strike me as someone who would understand this. Um, oh, yeah. You know, when you when your career and this is not just for people in our industry, it's for every career, like for the most part, your own career is in your own hands. Mm-hmm. And so I feel a lot of urgency and um, I'm trying to remember that it really, it sounds so trite, but it really is about the journey. And so I want to enjoy day to day more and not be so caught up with like the next. Mm. I know in that, it, like it's so easier said than done and, and yep. really like practicing. I know one I've started getting into Abraham Hicks and about, wow. lo- yeah. Have you, are you familiar with Abraham? Yeah. My boyfriend loves him. Yes. And it is like in so like it's just insane. And then doing more meditation and going Mm -hmm. to how I want to ultimately feel and getting there, not stressing about numbers on Instagram or not stressing about the number of downloads each podcast episode gets, but refocusing and saying, forget social media, forget the numbers, focus on, okay, how am I making an impact? And even, you know, what does that look like? And getting more back to the things that feed my soul and make my soul happy. And ultimately like Instagram numbers is not gonna, it's not a correlation of making me feel good. Sometimes it might be a shot of the like addiction. Dopamine. Yeah. Yeah. Where you feel good in the moment, but it's not a long-term sustainable thing. And so really making sure that the work 
is is making the impact and I'm doing what I set out to do from the beginning and why I made those decisions. So I totally get like the relaxed state and I'm even on a mini like 30 days of chill right or 30 days no way. Yeah. Like it's my own little thing. Cause I'm like, I Wait, got back from me, my, how do you, what are you doing? <laughs> oh, I'm just making sure that daily meditation and one of um, Abraham's books is it's about uh, the law of attraction and in the law of attraction, you're supposed to, the idea is to spend five, 10 minutes a day or just some sort of time a day setting and welcoming things into your workshop, which your workshop is really just inviting things that you want. So even though let's say um, you're interacting with someone and they do something you really like, but maybe they do something that you don't, you just invite what you liked about that experience in. And then it's similar to what you're, you said you do and thinking about your day and how you want it to go and really leveraging, okay, in a moment, I felt like we might feel anxious in the moment, but instead of sitting in the moment, do forward focusing and thinking about, okay, what is the emotion that you want to feel? And I've done this a few times where if I feel like my business is all over the place, I reframe it and I'm like, we like my business is aligned, it is systematized and it's going where I like thinking about where I want to go, but then also um, getting into chill meditation in Chicago as much as I can in a 30 day span. So it's really just to like get back hey, on Amanda, the horse. I'll meet you there. Yeah, no, I'm I love, love that. to do that. Yeah, I just went to an insight one yesterday. I just love going there and like really just creating this the space of quietness and getting back yeah. to the basics of like especially being in your shoes and a business owner I mean this gosh our thoughts are flying around so often and it's like we open ourselves up to this vulnerability and if we're not careful or we're not intentional then it could distract us and take us down an entire path but yeah so it's my own little mini like challenge I don't even want to call it a challenge it's just 30 days of of chill, chill. And seeing what I'm doing but yeah we'll definitely we'll connect after the interview That's so cool maybe maybe I need to do that and implement that yeah and I'm just trying to because I know if I get things into a routine then I can follow up because then it takes me on a path of you think about momentum and you know even take meditation it's one of those things that when you first start doing it you're like why am I sitting here for 10 minutes my brain is going oh it doesn't work for me it doesn't work for me but then getting in the habit and the routine of just doing it and I notice that even after doing it for five days I now crave it when I wake up and so it's, that's so cool yeah but I mean it's I will never I'll be the first to say it never there's times when it like worked really well and then when I got off the bandwagon I kept making excuses for not to do it and then I yeah. just I was away on my honeymoon and I realized like there's just, oh, it took me four or five days to de like let go. And I really believe that if I had, if I was already practicing and doing daily meditation on the regular, it would have been much easier. And so now if I can, I had to change the way I thought about it because I didn't want to do it just to do it, but I had to be like, okay, how can I be curious about what is it going to look like after 30 days? So I, I really, <laughs> I think that like, um, part of, part of like even good stuff have to has to become a habit. And so I think it's actually really smart the way you're approaching it. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll definitely and then um, we'll go to that. And then maybe you guys obviously you've been listening the whole time and the listeners and maybe we can do our own little 30 day meditation informal starting in May. Like who knows? Ooh, right? I love that. Yeah, so that'll help keep me accountable too. <laughs> yes, <laughs> not that um, this is self-serving or anything. No, well, I no, I mean you have to find Oh my gosh, I could talk for days about like if people knew the conversations that went on in my mind, they'd be like, 
they'd either say, oh my gosh, I go through the exact same thing, or they would probably say, okay, you're thinking too much. But it's one of these things where it's you say you want to do something, but you're not actually doing it. And then you're like, well, what, why am I not actually doing it? And it may be because one, you probably don't need to be doing it. But two, it's like, how do you change the environment that then sets you up for success versus yeah. what the current environment is? So yeah. Okay. Oh, yay. That's awesome. I love it. I love it. And Laura, I want to get Laura, who's the co-founder of Chill, on the podcast too, because she has an amazing story and how she was in the finance industry. And she actually, I think was working all the way up until, I don't know, maybe a couple of months ago before she officially left and then took over and started managing no full time. Yeah. It was a really, she's got a great story and she's amazing. So we'll have to bring her on the show too. Wow, so that's awesome. what, um, okay. I have two, two last questions. One is since yeah. you are in the, like such a limelight, and I think this is true, whether you have it like, 25 followers or in your case I think you like over 200,000 right and it goes back to what you said how when your business grows you almost have more fear because there's more to lose Mm -hmm. how how do you get comfortable with one putting yourself out there and two working through any sort of jabs or or hooks that come at you and and to bridge this again too is I know when people are starting their own businesses and doing things that are outside the norm of their tribe or their family and they think they're a little crazy, they have to move through all the critics. So like, how do you work through critics? So there's this quote that says, it never ceases to amaze me. We all love ourselves more than other people, but care more about their opinion than our own. Ooh. And I really think that that speaks to every everything that we all feel about critics so um when it comes to critics it hurts most from people that you know and that know you so like you know we're all on social media if it comes from high school friends even if we're not friends with them or if we hear it through the grapevine like for me it cuts the most when it's closest to home mm-hmm. um if i don't know someone then like it almost doesn't even like i don't even pay attention <laughs> <You're> like <laughs> i don't even know you <laughs> well it's just like you know from, from where are you getting the, the critique, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I embrace it. I think that, um, for me at least, the, a lot of the critiques I get are twofold. One, they're either political because I'm pretty outspoken. And so if, it, if somebody has different points of views, then I really, if they're, if they're like sound points of views, I really want to hear them and read them because like, I think that either makes me change my mind or makes my own argument stronger. And if they're not sound, then boy, bye. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, the other critiques sometimes I get are like mean things about my body or the way I look. And what? Um, okay, yeah, they like, then what? They're glad they no. But you're so sweet. No, oh but God, I, you're beautiful. Well, I honestly thank you. But I really feel like and Every- really quick, even to so, say like, yeah. it doesn't matter what a person looks like. Everyone is, is beautiful. And I think to like jump or, or say mean things about anyone, male or female, about their body or their look or appearance is, is non-tolerable. Like what, what are we doing people? Let's focus on ourselves and make ourselves better and not put, not spread negative energy. Totally. If someone does that, I block them. Um, and sometimes I don't even see it. And then it's like, whatever, <laughs> you <Yeah>. know? <laughs> um, but at the end of the day, I've never really like, I've never focused on that stuff. Cause I think 
um, what, what does Tony Robbins say, say, like where energy goes, energy flows. And it's like, Mm. who cares? Like if I feel, if I look in the mirror and I know that I'm being a good person and putting good stuff out into the world and like doing what makes my heart sing and I'm being a good family member and a good friend, then it's literally all that matters. Like I, I don't care. And if it's, and if it's a critique, that's, that's good. Like I, I actually asked my bosses, for critique on my work. Like I, I want to get better, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, like you said too, take an inventory of where it's coming from. And if it's coming from people you don't even know, then it's not, it's not even necessary to continue putting energy into it. What are you, what's one of your, the last question I have is what is yeah. a book that you've read that has really made an impact? Ooh, I love that question. I, I um, hashtag something that's so corny all the time, but I always say um, girls who read are dangerous and that readers are leaders. Mm. And I love books so much. Um, I think like reading is the key to life. So I love that question. (laughs) Um, I've had a few books really impact me. Um, Recently, one is called Beauty Sick by Dr. Renee Engel, Engel, I think is pronounced. And um, I actually reached out to interview her and I have one set next week. Because after I read it, it totally shifted my perspective on um, the way we view women's bodies and like the way I view my own and the way I view other people's bodies. And like, um, I think that her voice needs to be spread. So that was a really great one. And um, overall, a book that really changed my life. um, This is going to sound insane, but there's this book. Shoot, I'm going to mess up the name. Let me grab it. Um, um, um. Sorry. No worries. You're like worst podcast guest ever. Oh my gosh, stop. No, <laughs> I like to keep it super chill. You're really sweet. Um, I forgot the name, but it's this guy who wrote um, his first book was like about picking up women. Oh, uh, oh my gosh. He and he got a lot of slack for like teaching men how to pick up women, yep, right? Exactly. Oh my exactly. gosh. That you know who like, I'm talking about? Yeah, okay. Keep talking about the point of it and I'm going to pull up I'm going to Google this cuz I I know Neil Strauss is the guy's name. Wait. Neil Strauss. Oh, okay. So Neil Strauss wrote two books. The first one is about picking up women and it's called like the rules of the game and it sucks. And it's like, you know, not that it sucks. It's just like not something that I would want to put out there. But his second book called The Truth, an uncomfortable book about relationships, really changed my life. Oh. Um, and it's about like him. He checks himself into sex therapy and regular therapy and like takes you through his whole journey of like finding himself and recovering and it's almost like you go through therapy with him. And so everything he experiences, you sort of like question yourself and think about your own answers. And it like makes you think about your childhood and the way you are in relationships and your relationship to yourself. And he he's like one of the reasons I actually started going to therapy because I was like, this is so powerful. And I didn't have anything like major to fix, so to speak. But like it totally changed my life and so did therapy. I feel like a way better communicator. Mm -hmm. 
I think I'm frustrated about communication. Right. Yes. Especially in relationships and someone that's close to you and like, yeah, I agree. I think I've never, I haven't been to, um, I think therapy can come in like different ways. It can come through like meeting with a therapist. It can having a coach. It can have like a mindset coach, yeah. all these different things, but whatever outlet it is that allows us to get better is like so important. And even like one of my friends is goes and sees someone about their OCD and we were talking about it and it, it's like, it's a real, real thing. And I'm just like, man, like the fact that you're talking about it is amazing because then it also gives opportunity for other people to be inspired to also go work on themselves as well. And and so Neil Strauss takes you through that entire journey through his whole like therapy thing. Yes, wow. he really does. And he's so candid. Like, I can't believe how candid he is. And it's what makes the book so powerful, you yeah. know, because it's like, Gloria Steinem, um, I love her so much. And one of the things that has always stuck with me is she said, like, major social movements have always started with a few people just at a dinner party or in a basement and talking and swapping stories and saying, like, oh, that happened to me, too. Mm-hmm. That's one of the reasons, like, stories are and what you do and telling other people's stories are so powerful because it just makes us feel like we're not alone. And it and it normalizes things and it also like makes us question mm-hmm. I love it too and yeah does that that's such a perfect perfect way to to end and yeah it's a good like with the podcast and sharing the behind the scenes of journeys and how people get over fear and hurdles and things because like you just said if we're able to share it and people can relate and people can also say the two words of me too it just yeah it humanizes it and allows us to know that we're not alone so oh danielle thank you so much for coming on the show can you share with my listeners where they can find out more information about you and connect with you and just see what you're all about for sure first of all if you are listening and following Amanda, then I already know you're awesome because her podcast <laughs> is one of my favorites. So Amanda, Yay. thank you so much for having thank me. You. I, you are such a generous listener and an amazing interviewer. And I so appreciate your time. Thank you. Um, and if you guys weren't bored with me and want to connect via Instagram or Twitter, I'm at Danielle Robay, R-O-B-A-Y. And um, I like am really active on there. I'd love to talk to you guys. So thank let you. me know. Awesome. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's podcast episode. For more information, check out sheditherherway.com. And if you enjoyed today's episode, I would love for you to leave me a review on iTunes and let me know what you think. Until next time, keep doing it your way.